This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. My word, what a start for the Chicago Cubs. A leadoff home run by Dexter Fowler. And they are up already 1-0 in the top of the first in Game 7 of the World Series against Cleveland. We will keep you updated throughout the show tonight. Kyle Schwarber just reaching base as well. So two batters both reaching against Corey Kluber. What a dream start for the Cubs in this one. But of course, a lot left to go. And if it plays out like most postseason baseball games this will go on for four or five hours even if it's only a nine inning game so uh, we'll keep we're on until nine with inside sports we'll keep you updated until the bottom of the fifth uh <laughs> and then you'll get it on our newscast the rest of the night thanks for tuning in my name is reed wilkins it's inside sports on 6 30 ched it is 607 i can also tell you tonight in the nhl the canucks and the canadians are scoreless late in the first later on the red wings play the flyers and the penguins play the Ducks the Oilers will play tomorrow against the New York Rangers it's on 6.30 Chad 3.30 for the face-off show the game will start at 5 game 2 of the Oilers 5 game road trip they uh, moved on to the Big Apple today after getting a single point for an overtime loss last night against the Toronto Maple Leafs we'll talk about what's going on with the Oilers in a second here uh, I just want to join in with uh, a lot of you over the last couple of days here and uh, wish all the best to John Sexsmith a broadcasting colleague over at Global Television. I, I think a lot of us in the industry have known for a while that John's been going through a tough time. Uh, public over the last couple of days here with his uh, battle with prostate cancer, a very emotional uh, and a detailed story written by John on the Global website. He was on Bob Stoffer with Oilers on Oilers Now earlier today. Those two guys have been friends for, for a long time, so no one better than Bob to do that interview. You can go to the Oilers Now page on 630ched.com if you did uh, if you did miss it John's a great guy always a very uh very positive guy who's going through a tough battle but uh, very open about what he's faced over the last few years and uh, as he said he is living with cancer he is not dying of it and uh, he's uh, he's working hard on uh, on surviving and keeping a positive attitude so of course all the best to uh, to John all right Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Here's what we're going to do tonight. Some hockey talk as we roll along through the first part of the show. Kelly Rudy scheduled to join us between 6.30 and 7. Dave Maloney 
radio analyst for the New York Rangers, will be on tonight as well. We'll check up with the Edmonton Eskimos, both on and off the field. We'll look a little bit into that live mics story, the Jason Moss with some very pointed comments as the Eskimos will wear mics on the weekend. Brian Ramsey's the executive director of the CFL Players Association. He'll give us the PA's view on what's going on. And uh, Len Rhodes is going to be on the show as well to talk about that big 50-50 and another special initiative that he is a part of. Don't forget the 50-50 on Saturday starting at $50,000 for the 2 o'clock Eskimos game against the Argos. And Toronto quarterback Ricky Ray will be on the show at 8.05 tonight. So uh, I, I know he remains a very popular figure. Traded too soon. I think, away from the green and gold. He's had a couple of tough years with uh, the Toronto Argos. Uh, Matthew Panashik on the other side of the window. I can still remember Ricky's first start, a game against the BC Lions in the summer of 2002, filling in for an injured Jason Moss. Came out, I think he had four touchdown passes. He was absolutely uh, electric. You saw his poise. You saw his patience. You saw his willingness to make a hit. You certainly saw his accuracy. And uh, he eventually, obviously, became the Eskimo starters and led them to two Grey Cup championships in 03 and 05. They lost the Grey Cup game in 2002. Maybe, Matthew, maybe his last game in the CFL. I'll ask him where he sits with his future and possible retirement plans. That's all as we move along tonight. So the Oilers last night couldn't get it done against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I know there's a lot of discussion about... Nazem Kadri's game. It's you know it's interesting with with Kadri as you look at his evolution as a Maple Leaf, and now there's a lot out of that game. Well, he's a shutdown guy. He's now he's now he's a shutdown guy. Now he's an all around guy. And a few years ago, you would have had Leafs fans saying, "Well, he's got to be their their offensive catalyst." So it's interesting how things change. Maybe a bit of a comparison there to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who is now leaned on a little less offensively uh, as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. He did pick up an assist last night, has yet to score 10 games into the season. But it just shows sometimes players don't always live up to the expectations that they carry into the league. It doesn't mean they can't be effective in different roles down the road. Uh, I, I, I will say this. I didn't, think, I didn't think that was a penalty on Kadri in overtime. I thought it was close. But I think you have to allow players to battle for position like that when the puck is nearby. And I, I didn't think that was a full-on hold. It certainly was a push. I think it certainly caught McDavid by surprise. But, you know, I think that's... A, look, McDavid's a great player, he, but he hasn't learned all there is to learn about little tricks like that at the National Hockey League level. He got beat. He got beat on that play, and, and uh, I think he'll learn from it. The Oilers did have 46 shots on goal. Um, I, I thought they did a decent job getting the puck to the net. I, I thought maybe some of their heavier guys needed to lean a little bit more around the front of the net. I thought it was a quiet game for Patrick Maroon, kind of a quiet game for Dreisaitl. Lucic I thought was uh, I thought was okay. If there are going to be changes to the lines, and I don't know if there will be quite yet for tomorrow, I'm ready, though, to see Jesse Pugliarve get some time with Connor McDavid. Because he can shoot the puck, he's willing to one-time it, he's willing it to, f- to fire it from anywhere, he's got a heavy shot with a good release. We know Todd McClellan, going back to his days with San Jose, likes volume shooting, and he likes guys who can get the puck through to the net. 
and Puglia Yarvi with six shots last night is appears to be starting to figure out ways to do that. He appears to be a little more composed, a little more patient in the offensive zone and with the puck. I know earlier in the season there were times the puck was on his stick and he, it just seemed like he wanted to get rid of it as quickly as possible without looking around for what play was available. Um, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that combination. And here's the one thing that Puglia Yarvi has that not just Jordan Eberle in that right wing slot, but, but a lot of Oilers players don't have is the willingness to one-time the puck. I mean, I know Jordan Eberle talked in the offseason or, or when they came back for camp about working on his one-timer in the summer. By my count, I've seen one one-timer in regular season play. Not enough. Not enough. And I think Pugliarvi is a little more willing to do that. Phone lines are 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. We'll get to a couple of texts here as we roll along. But Todd McClellan in New York today asked a little bit about last night's game. I thought we, you know, in reviewing it, we watched every minute of it again. In reviewing it, we, we did some real good things. Um, obviously made some mistakes, but there's no such thing as a perfect game. Uh, when we made those mistakes, for the most part, Cam was there. Um, I thought offensively, we only ended up with two, but it was one of our best attacking and, and re-attack nights. Um, you know, again, some of the, the shots that we took were from a distance, but it created secondary and, and third-type opportunities that we didn't have against... Uh, against Ottawa. So overall, it was uh, an improvement in our in our play. Uh, it was unfortunate we didn't get the two points, but uh, I think the task is just going to get harder and harder on this trip. Well, four games to go on the road trip. Obviously, they're going to play back-to-back games for the first time all season. After a 10-game stretch that saw the Oilers play only twice against playoff teams from last year, and, and again, last year is about all we have to go on at this point. They now play 10 straight games against teams that were in the playoffs last year, including the Rangers twice, including the Stanley Cup champion, Pittsburgh Penguins. Also including the LA Kings, who don't look like a playoff team so far this year. The Anaheim Ducks are kind of wavering as well. But, you know, we'll continue to evaluate the team. Um, if they go 0-4 over the next four games, okay, obviously we'll be having a different conversation. I, I think they're positioned to scratch out points, and I, I think the goaltender is hopefully going to give them a chance to win most nights. And, and I think, Tal- you know, when I was I was watching the highlights from last night's game, both, uh, all three goals, but the two in regulation time, Talbot gets beat by passes coming, you know, right across where he has to move. But that second one, the the Brown goal, or sorry, the uh, Smith goal, went right underneath him, and Talbot looked frustrated after it went in. When I was watching the replay, I think he was frustrated he didn't close up that five-hole or get the stick down. So, uh, you know, it's nice to see Talbot huge expectations for himself as he moves along. We have Ron on the line. Hey, Ron. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah, just uh, from last night's game, you know, like you were mentioning on the goals, it seemed like... Uh, just a lot of guys were puck watching instead of you know coverage. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, oh, I'm yeah. there. Yeah, I, I I think so. I think Clefbaum and McDavid got crossed up uh, trying to throw the ball or the. I, don't, I did that last night too. It's because I'm watching yeah. baseball at the same time. Try yeah. they, they got crossed up trying to throw the puck up the wall to get it out, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, they just didn't cover quite well enough on on that second goal. Yeah, I'm just hoping. Uh, and I'm sure that Mr. Todd there, McClellan, will be drilling it into them about the, you know, take that step, look behind you, what's beside you, because uh, those great eight chances against good teams are going to bury them on us. You know it, eh? Well, I, I think Talbot's at the point where 
you know, look, at some point Talbot's going to have a bad night. Yeah. But, I mean, ever, for most of the games he's played this year, he's played all 10. You know, I'd say he's played very well in seven of them, probably about average in two of them and, and poorly in one. That's not a bad 10-game stretch. So nope, you get the feeling good. you get the feeling like if they keep the shots, you know, more or less out of the high scoring area, Talbot's going to make the saves he should make. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next 10 to see how the real the, the true medal of the team will be, huh? I know you guys were talking about it, so let's hope they do well. Thank yeah, you. fair comment, Ron. Thanks for calling. 780-496-0063. Gordo says uh, the Oilers have had a great start. Would a point a game from now on get them into the playoffs? Probably not, and here's why. They're they're currently five games over 500, so if they stayed at that uh, for the rest of the season, they would have 87 points in 82 games, and most years... That won't get you in, though Though you'd be hanging around for sure. They're, they're going to have to do a little better than that. Rick is next on the phone line. You know, the bottom of the first now, still one nothing Cubs. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. You know, i got to say this. The Oilers 7-2-1. and one. The uh, Eskimos have won four of their last five, which uh, could very well be a meaningless game coming up on Saturday. There have been worse November 2nds to be hosting a sports show on this station. Uh, like Last year, the Eskimos were winning 10 in a row. Uh, the Oilers did not start last season 7-2-1. and one, I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> 780-496-0063. Uh, I'll get to some text on 630-630 as we go along here. Rick is on the phone line. Hey, Rick. Hey, how you doing, Reed? Doing very well. Good. Hey, um, just a couple quick comments on the team. Exciting to watch. I mean, I was excited last year to watch because there's a lot of young speed and talent. Uh, this year, obviously, we're getting some results. Um, you know, some surprises out there. Uh, some players that are that are maybe even playing a bit above their head. Uh, but that's okay because we need some of that, too. Um, I guess my only my only concern on watching any of the players, I think um, maybe it's going to take a little bit of time, but I think Milan Lucic is not playing to his potential. He looks really cumbersome and slow out there, uh, but I think it could be because of the speed that, that is around him that maybe they haven't quite gelled yet to know that the fast guys can rag the puck a little bit more and take their time till he gets to the open ice versus him looking like he's just not getting there in time. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that's the case. Um, so I guess that remains to be seen. Are you saying the same thing? I think that's a fair comment. I, a couple things. It's been interesting with the McDavid line because all I heard for the first four games of the season was that Lucic can't play with McDavid. And then after eight games... Uh, Eberle couldn't play with McDavid because Lucic was starting to get some points, and now they both need to be moved off the line. Uh, so I, I will say this. I, like I said earlier, I, I'm actually at the point, and maybe I'm alone in this, where I think Puglia Yarve might, it might be time for him to give, get a look with McDavid just because he is so willing and hungry to shoot the puck. And I know somebody just texted in about it. Uh, I think it was Shane. What about Dreisaitl and Lucic together? And then I don't know who the right winger would be. Maybe, maybe Everly, maybe Cassian, if you shuffle things up. Uh, I, think, I think you got a great point there, Reed, just from the simple fact that Dreisaitl has got some good speed, but he's not, 
he's not like a Puliarvi and he's not like a McDavid. I mean, those guys are, are rockets out there in comparison. But I think if you if you take a Drysaitel who's a little bit slower but still a good solid player, uh, Lucic can play that that style of game and still look after things on the ice the way he needs to, as as well as stay in the play more. And, and let's face it, I think I think Jordan Everly would be a pretty decent fit with them from a from a playmaker's perspective. Uh, that would be pretty good. The one guy that I was totally impressed with, uh, for sure, the last three, four games, is the speed and the tenacity, uh, the forechecking and backchecking, and the opportunity sniffed out by Zach Cassian. He's playing well. Um, yeah. I thought he was decent, a decent player before, and before he had some of his personal problems. But watching him this year so far... Is, is almost like a totally different player. He's actually been one of the most consistent forwards over the first 10 games. Um, I mean, I know he's not always on the score sheet, but you're kind of you're kind of getting that uh, you're kind of getting some sort of impact from him almost oh, every game. Oh, the opportunities have been amazing for him. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair for sure. I, I I like I still probably see Cassian as a third or fourth liner long term, but he's, you know, he's I guess it depends whether you see the Nugent Hopkins line as the second line or the, or the third line. Um, no, he's he, he's he's been fine, and he, you know he's willing to mix it up. And obviously, this team needs that for sure. Thanks, Rick. Well, thank you very much. All right, uh, we have Stu up next. Hey, Stu. Hey, how you doing? Doing very well. So uh, Talbot needs some help. I think uh, Brozois should be the backup. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be those two. I think they're going to go with Gustafson most of this year because I think they want Brassois to play a bit, uh, play a bit in the minors. I don't think they want him sitting around. I don't know. They should give him a shot. They should. Okay. Well, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. But I think Brassois, they they want him here. They want him here for a while. Now I. Well, I, yeah, I know they do. But I mean, like, look at the Oil Kings. They won the the cup with them, and he's a good goalie in, in Calgary said well screw you i don't want this guy and you know what i mean yeah well they the oil kings won the league with brassois they won the memorial cup with jari but i, I know your point that brassois was on some good teams for sure now Stu, i think gustafson's gonna play this weekend right. um i don't know which game but in the back-to-backs i think we'll see gustafson and then yeah probably the islanders you think they'll put him in in the barclay center yeah probably the islanders okay thanks they, Stu. Got, they got a good road trip eh? You know, like the Rangers, the Oilers, Detroit, and then Pittsburgh. That's a good test for the Oilers. Well, I'm glad you have that attitude, Stu, because I'm of that mindset as well. I say bring it on. Like, I know in previous years, people have been like, oh, great, it's going to be four straight losses. And maybe nope. maybe it will be. I don't think it will. But I think there's a sense that the Oilers are able to stay in a lot of games. Yeah, and, and even- Toronto last night was just like, a, uh, I knew that Edmonton wouldn't beat them. Like, I'm an Oilers fan ever since Gretzky like way back I'm born in Edmonton right yep but I'm just saying that I knew they would lose that game because they're well I'm not saying that they were just planning to lose that game but I'm saying that they will win the next four games it's a test for the Oilers right on Stu it's gonna be fun hope to hope to talk to you again yeah you betcha all right we're close to the news, so I don't want to start Don off because I want to be able to give him more than 30 seconds. So Don, Jared, and Andrew are on hold. You guys are all getting in. I can guarantee that. Uh, MB says if Pugliarvi plays on McDavid's line, he will have to face the toughest opposition. I don't think he's ready for that, especially on a road trip. It's not as if he's been lighting it up on the third line. Well, fair point about the matchups. I, I'm still willing to give him a look there. And uh, Shane says, 
Uh, I liked Dreisaitl with Lucic when they played together a bit against Buffalo. Yeah, that's a fair comment for sure. And another texter says, chemistry isn't dictated strictly by the speed of the players or even what style they play. Coaching would be pretty easy if it were that simple. Those are some texts to 630-630. You're welcome to chime in there or on the phone line, 780-496-0063. Middle of the second inning now. Cubs still up 1-0 on Cleveland. That's Game 7. We'll keep you updated. For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30, Chad. I was at my parents last week. I can't remember if it was a World Series game or a Championship Series game, and the pitcher was making pickoff throws to first base. And my mom said, "Why do they do that? That never works." And I said, "Ah, oh, sometimes it works." Well, Kyle Hendricks just picked Jose Ramirez off first base for the first out of the bottom of the second inning. And then the uh, next Cleveland batter, Chisenhall, got a single. So a big pickoff by the Chicago pitcher. Still one nothing for the Cubs. Bottom of the second inning. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. If you heard the Todd McClellan comments last night and the clip I played in the first half hour, he doesn't seem overly upset about last night's game. We've heard him be pretty vocal and pointed in his remarks over the last season and a bit. He seemed... Uh, relatively happy with most of the game. He did comment last night. He thought the Oilers stopped shooting the puck over the last 10 minutes, and I know the poster play for that was the Nugent Hopkins chance when he tried to center it to Cassian, and uh, it got intercepted. 780-496-0063. We have Don on the line. Hi, Don. Hey, Reid. How you doing, buddy? Doing very well. Hey, I uh, meant to call you for the last couple of years. probably been that long since I talked with you, but I'm here now. Hey, I, uh, I agree with Todd McClellan. And I love the way the Oilers are coming together. They're uh, obviously not a complete team yet. Um, I think uh, that cadre all over McDavid last night was a good thing. I am a diehard, I bleed Oiler colors. And uh, McDavid, oh, man, the guy's incredible. But you know what? That little thing right there last night, that last goal in overtime, he's going to learn from that, and, he, and he's going to get – He's going to get better, and I doubt very much if that'll happen again. And and when Toronto comes back here, uh, it's going to be a different story. But, you know, Lucic, I agree with that. One of those last callers, he's, he's kind of sluggish out there. That game, I think it was St. Louis game, he looked like a freaking young kid out there. Yeah, he, he was, was flying. the best player in the game in the third period. That might have oh, been the best period by an oiler this season. Well, except for Talbot. but It was awesome. And Nurse last night, but you know what? I remember when uh, the Oilers were playing the Islanders and uh, first uh, couple times there, uh, they, got, they got killed and they got schooled and they learned from that. And uh, by the time they did win the Cup, um, they were more of a complete team. But there's, you know, it, it, it freaks me out when I, get, I hear callers calling you and, and Bob, oh, you got to get rid of this guy, that guy. You know, it's like seven, nine games into the season, something like that. I think these losses, we haven't been blown out. Buffalo was the biggest blowout, and that was, I think everybody just went to sleep for that one. Self-inflicted too, yeah. Yeah, and and we're going to get some losses, but there's no 6-1 losses. Uh, All our losses, for the most part, have been, you know, winnable almost, right? 
Yeah, that's like there. You got to be. You got to be within a shot going to the third period or up a shot. You know, up, you got to be within a shot of tying the game, taking the lead, or extending a lead to two goals. Hopefully, they can they can play in that situation most of the time. Now, uh, and I'm going to ask Kelly Rudy about this. He's going to be on later on this half hour. What should have the Oilers done though about McDavid getting tossed around a little bit, in your mind? What what? Say what, that again? What should have the Oilers done about McDavid getting tossed around a bit by Kadri? Do you slash Kadri? Do you jump Polak? Do you slash Matthews? What do you do? Um, McDavid, he is a big body. He will learn to adapt to that kind of thing, but. Uh, I think you just have the presence out there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, they're not going to let the, the blatant craziness go. But Kadri was all over him in a lot of uh, legal ways. He wasn't crazy. And to, to, be, to be honest with you there, Reed, I didn't watch the whole game. I caught highlights here and there. I did see, I did see a couple times when, uh, when Kadri was all over McDavid. He, he played him well. He played him well. But you know what? That's a learning tool, and we'll get around that. Should Lou Cheech have gone and been in his face a bit? Maybe so, without taking a penalty. Yeah. Thanks, but Don. I, you know, Reed, thanks for the call, buddy. Yeah, good to talk to you. We also have Andrew on the line. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Reed, how you doing? Doing very well. Good to hear from you. Good. Uh, actually, Drew's view, maybe you recognize that name from some of my texts. Absolutely. I'm glad you called. Um, just some observations about Everly that I thought I have a I have a bit of a theory on Everly and why he, maybe he's not the most ideal fit for McDavid, but I'll just thought I'd throw it out there. But uh, and not being overly critical of Everly because obviously the guy has, has proven that he's a consistent producer over the years. Yep. Um, but my theory on on Everly is that he doesn't have the puck enough when he's with McDavid because if you look if you look back on the history of Everly, if you think back on his first two years. A lot of the goals that he scored, he likes to create his own offense. He likes to score from 15 feet and inside, and usually he's hitting balls like a toe drag or something in tight where he's where he's being creative on his own. But the problem with when he's with McDavid, McDavid has the puck all the time, and, and really what McDavid needs is a one-touch scorer, and that's not really what Everly's style is. So that's that- kind of why I think that maybe he's not ideal. Like if you look back at, at Gretzky and Curry, Curry was the perfect compliment for Gretzky because Curry was a one-touch scorer, and that's really what Gretzky needed. That's an interesting point. So you're almost saying Eberle is a hybrid between a finisher and a playmaker. He's not a true finisher. Yeah. And maybe Pugliarvi is going to be that guy, and that's my argument where I'm ready for him. I mean, what? like somebody said, oh, Pugliarvi's not ready for the matchups, but I'm like... Yeah, the lines aren't set in stone. The whole—it's not like a batting order in baseball where you can't change it, no. right? Like, no, no. I think back. Just think back on Everly's first goal in the NHL with that toe drag, and you think back on some of the other goals that he gets. He's got the puck, and he's like you say, he's creating his own offense. But I, I think, I honestly think it's in his mind when he's up with McDavid. He's got to get the puck to McDavid as soon as possible, and then, and then I think he's out of his comfort zone because then he's. Because then he's required to be more of a, almost more of a, a role where he's got to go find the hole and wait for the puck to come to him. And I don't really know that that's his forte. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I'm curious to see what they'll do with the lines tomorrow. I'm sure McClellan's ready. Like 10 games, especially for what we've seen with the Oilers over the past few years, that's a long time for very minimal. Like the only reason there have been changes really is because of injuries, right? Yeah. And Slepeshev yeah. and Pugliarve swapping in and out. So, yeah. I, I, I think it's time for a bit of a shake-up tomorrow. Give Leon maybe yeah. 
some new wingers too, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Thanks for calling, man. All right. All right, and Kelly Rudy is coming up here, but we're going to go to Jared right now on line two. Hey, Jared. Hey, Reed. Good evening. Hello. Hey, uh, just like that guy that called before the commercial and yourself, I believe too. I, I think we're good. I, I think that we got beat by the Anderson goalies because they were awesome. 44 saves last night, right? Like, yeah. And uh, and they quit shooting after in the last 10 minutes. They 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 veered off their game plan that made them successful. We outshot them like bad. But anyways, what I really want to like. Uh, we're going to switch up the line combos. I'm like pity is playing like Pitlick is playing like a beast. Like put him on the, let him play on the right side. Put Everlay down. Put Cassian down a line, or two lines, and because Poliarvi has to play on a scoring line, so leave him up there. And uh, yeah, like give Pitlick a go at it. The guy's everything you want. He's so hard on the puck and fast and big and strong and. Well, he's, they did it last year. He's playing. He's playing with a lot of energy, which is nice to see. And, and you're right. He's getting in after the play. I think the three goals he scored in the first five games is a bit of a bonus. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know if they want to move Pitlick up though, because I just think they feel. I, I really think they feel Lander, Latestu, and Pitlick are doing the job that they are supposed to do: get the pucks in deep, win faceoffs. Is going to come back though. Well, yeah, he's probably a couple weeks away, though. So who knows Still. what's happened by then. But yeah, maybe they take Lander out when Hendricks comes back. Well, and even even a swap with Luch and Maroon, right? Like, Maroon was successful. And, and like, I mean, that dry with uh, Pugliarvi and dry sidle with Pugliarvi and then Maroon, are, like, that line is humongous. It's unreal. Well, I think well, I was wondering, like, somebody texted, I'm wondering if you put dry sidle and Luch each together for a couple games. And try to let them get something going. Like they still, I still don't think they're scoring as many pucks off the cycle as Shirelli and McClellan want. They're still kind of a rush team if you look at most of the goals. Um, now, if they get a couple more to go in last night, maybe we're singing a different tune. But I still think they want to grind away a few more goals. They haven't quite found that yet. And we get a score in the power play. Like well, John, that's a whole guys. yeah, that's a whole other issue. Thanks for calling, Jared. Take care. Reed. All right. Got a text from uh, Jim who says McDavid has to uh, help look out for himself too. Fair point. Uh, another texter says, I like the idea of a big-bodied physical line, Lucic, Dreisaitl, Cassian. And Sean says, Reed, I know this is Canada and that means hockey, but come on, it's CFL and Major League Baseball playoff time, 10 games in or so, and hockey is all that's addressed. Bob's show is Oilers, yours is sports. Get on with it. Sean? We got three hours. Ricky Ray's on the show. Len Rhodes is on the show to talk a little football. We'll talk a little soccer with Colin Miller from FC Edmonton. And, of course, we'll keep you updated on the baseball game, which is still one nothing for the Cubs in the middle of the third. It's 6.44. Kelly Rudy's up next. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, Cleveland has just tied the game now 1-1 in the bottom of the third, Game 7 of the World Series. Kelly Rudy, former NHL goaltender, analyst with the NHL on Rogers, joins us every week here on Inside Sports. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Reed, yourself? I'm doing very well. Great to have you back on the show. By the way, hope you had a great Halloween. 
<laughs> you know what? I uh, I did, in fact, I had a really low-key Halloween. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, and I know you do, you might have noticed that uh, because my travel's been really hectic lately, uh, I just sat in the hotel bar in Chicago with Rick Ball, and he and I had a real great dinner at the Ritz-Carlton, a little bit of wine, and we just chilled out, and that was it. So bed, in bed early and trying to get rested up. Now, were there any costumes in the Ritz-Carlton? <laughs> there wasn't. Um, I was unsure what to expect, but because Rita was a Monday night, I think there was uh, three other people in the hotel bar. And so, it, you know what? It turned out to be perfect. It, it's exactly what the doctor ordered, a super quiet night. And, um, yeah, it was great. A couple of my kids, though, they dressed up. We had uh, fewer kids at our house come by in Calgary than normal. Uh, we're usually, we count somewhere between 110, 120 ballpark, and this year we only had about 60, so maybe the neighborhood's changing, I'm not sure. It's funny, I got into a bit of a off-sports topic discussion on Monday night, asking people the most unusual or, or the lamest thing they've ever gotten in their trick-or-treat bag, whether it was food or something else. Yeah. And the, the ones I'm going to remember is uh, one guy said he got a, sli- a wrapped slice of roast beef, and uh, another oh, listener my. another listener said he got one individual marshmallow. Like, how cheap do you have to be just to give a kid, here's, here's one marshmallow. Oh, that's hilarious. I've never heard of anything so lame. Oh, my. I loved Halloween growing up. I mean, I, as you know, I grew up in Elmwood, and we had this great territory of about, I don't know, five or six blocks, it seemed, and you'd get the pillowcase and you'd walk around, you'd literally have half a bag, half a pillowcase full of candy, you'd eat it for about three days and then you'd never touch it again. But those three days were just magical. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you had some generous folks back in the day. That's that's pretty cool. Kelly Rudy joining us on yeah. Inside Sports. Hey, it was uh, uh, no treat for the Oilers last night in Toronto. They did pull out uh, a single point for the overtime loss. Man, a lot of discussion about Nazem Kadri, the game he had, not just getting two goals, but but really getting in the face of Connor McDavid, and it leads to the to the discussion. Uh, I mean, when you're a team on the receiving yeah. end of that, what do you do? Does somebody jump Kadri? Do you target Austin Matthews? Uh, you know, what's the best way to handle that in a game? Well, it's a combination, um, but first of all, when it's taking place, I want that matchup. I want McDavid, and if it's Kadri, great. So, because uh, typically the better guy is going to win, and so in most cases, it's going to be Connor McDavid. Uh, but give Kadri uh, lots of credit, right? I, I didn't think he started the season all that well, and then his role changed, and he was put in a matchup situation and he's really taken that to heart and he, he takes great pride in it so give lots of uh, credit to Cadre in that situation because what I said last Saturday on our pregame show that to me he looked like he was the forgotten guy or the person that feels left out not included but they came up with this great plan that he's now going to switch his role from being trying to figure out if he can be a, a top line centerman in terms of scoring and creating chances to this matchup guy, and he's taken the challenge really well. So from what I, I would suspect after watching the overtime winner that a lot of Edmontonians would think that, or Oiler fans would think that, hey, that's a penalty on Kadri. McDavid's right. But the way I see it, that's not a penalty. 
In fact, if you were to turn it around and reverse the situation, if McDavid would have done that to Kadri, most people would have said, oh, my gosh, what a great play. Here's this this guy that just schooled this veteran, and that's just that's just good old plain hockey. The guys were playing hard. Uh, I like to see games end that way, but I, I certainly understand from Oilers' perspective that they thought that Kadri got away with one, but... My point being in this whole situation, when you get matchups like that, I want the star to, to be one-on-one with these guys. And I, I recall a situation in L.A. where um, Barry Melrose, we were playing the Ducks, and he was trying to figure out how to play Gretzky versus uh, Korea and that line. And he was trying to get matchups, and he was trying to get different situations. And I believe it was Charlie Huddy that went up to uh, um, Barry at some point and said, forget the matchups. Wayne's the best player in the world. Put him head to head versus Korea. He's going to be. He's going to feel the challenge as well. And he, no question about it. He rose to the occasion. He had another great game. But sometimes you overlook these things or overthink these things, and you think, "Boy, I put this guy against this guy, or this or that." And sometimes that works, and sometimes that's needed. But I just think best on best, and then whatever happens that game, I'll live with. Well, I think you raise an interesting point where if a team has a strength, just just put it out there. And I, I know to, to bring in a, a, a football comparison, whenever I hear a football yeah. coach say, we're going to take what the defense gives us, I always think to myself, you're doomed. Because if I'm a defense, I'm like, great, I'm going to give you a two-yard gain every play, and then you'll punt. Yeah. Right? So, but, yeah. yeah. But, but I, I, I do – it is interesting to me – to see how this is going to develop for McDavid and the Oilers. They have started the season very well, 7-2-1. and one. You, you can't argue with that. I know yeah. there's tougher games coming up. But, uh, I mean, it is a situation where I would think, as, as much as we like to believe, Kelly, well, these are pro athletes. They treat every game the same. I, I don't think it's quite that simple. And whether it's Kadri or whoever, I, I would think opponents are going to get up and try to say, I want to be the guy that held McDavid to, to no points. Maybe he got six in his last two games. I want to be the guy that, yeah. that, that shuts him down. So, I mean, I think Connor's used to that. But And I, and I think given what he went through in the OHL, I, I, I would think he'd be able to work through it. But that's what he's going to be facing. Absolutely. And, and I don't think that that bothers him all that much. You know, maybe if uh, the player crosses line or he has a particularly good game against uh, McDavid like Kadri last night, but to your point about guys rise to those occasions, and, and they look forward to those challenges. So now moving forward, I'm playing in San Jose, and we're not a very good team yet. They were, we're building towards uh, more respect and so on. We, that first year in 96, we, when I went there, then we got Murray Craven, um, Tony Granado, Todd Gill, Doug Bodger. We, Dean Lombardi, I thought, did a really good job with the, with the young guys. But then he tried to sprinkle in a whole bunch of us veterans to show the young guys how to compete and so on. So we're going to play the Colorado Avalanche, and they're fantastic at that time. In fact, they, they may have won the Cup that year. And so Todd Gill, veteran of many years, he's asked by the coach to be in a shutdown role versus uh, Sackick at times and Forsberg at times. So he's going to be our key guy in this matchup. Well, he was so nervous with this face with this great challenge even though he had been in that position many times about half an hour before the warm-up 
we found him in the bathroom throwing up. He was so nervous. It was kind of like uh, Glenn Hall all those years. You know, the nerves just got the best of him. And the point is, he played a whale of a game. He absolutely shut down those guys in a remarkable uh, way. But, I mean, he had to rise to that occasion. And he, and he wanted to. It's just that the nerves got him before the game. But once the game started, he was spectacular. Yeah, that's incredible. But probably not the the, the thing you wanted to see necessarily as a teammate. But I guess, I guess it worked out. <laughs> well, let's just let's just say this. Prior to the game, when I knew that was going on, and I'm the starting goalie, I was a little bit nervous myself. <laughs> Here's our shutdown guy. <laughs> He's not having a very good five minutes here before warm up. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. Look, McDavid faced physical play last night. I mean, Kadri, you tossed him down after the whistle once and gave him some late shots. Uh, you know, the Oilers are more equipped to play a physical game than they have been in the past. You, you don't want to take penalties, and, and sometimes the refs are, are going to let, uh, you know, probably be lenient with some of the shots on McDavid. I mean, does Luch and Lucic had a conversation with Kadri at one point, but does Lucic have to grab one of the Leafs tough guys? Does does uh, does Cassian have to go out there and take a run at Matthews or, or player X as they move along? I mean, you've been in those situations and some of that gamesmanship. Yeah. What's the most effective way to handle it if McDavid's taking some abuse? Well, it, it and depends on how you value the abuse or what degree you think it is whether it's right on the line or if it's crossing the line and, and whether if you think it's crossing the line then i i like old school justice so the way i would do it is that uh and guys great the, the great tough guys that knew their role and how to play it to perfection would do things like marty McSorley would do say we're playing the calgary flames and this situation happens so this is a real uh, story so Somebody on the planes is taking their liberties with Gretzky. And Marty goes to the, uh, the planes bench in a, in a TV timeout and says to their coach, he says, listen, this is how it's going to work. I'm not going to go after Tim Hunter. I'm going to go over to Doug Gilmore, and I'm going to kill him. If you allow this to happen, I'm not going to go after your tough guy. I'm going after your star. So you decide how you want this to play out. And, and the great thing is about guys like Marty and guys that were in that situation, it wasn't all talk. So, you know, you think of the 93 finals when Marty recognized late in game one, we were getting beaten badly and we weren't really fully into the matchup. Who did Marty McSorley go after? He went after Doug Gilmore. And, and who went and tried to save Gilmore? Wendell Clark. So all of a sudden it's battle on, series on, and that's, that's old school hockey and that's how I would address it. It's not quite as easy in today's game. I understand that, but I still think there are situations like that, that you, you have to send messages and they have to be very loud and very clear and deliberate in there when you follow through. Yeah. And that'll be a game within the game for the Oilers. I think as, as they move along through this season, Kelly, always great to have you on the show, buddy. We'll hook up again next week. Enjoy the rest of your road trip. Okay. Thanks pal. I'll talk to you next week. Right on. Good stuff there from Kelly Rudy. Joins us once a week on Inside Sports. Former NHL goalie, now an analyst with the NHL on Rogers. Through three innings in Cleveland. Game seven of the World Series is tied 1-1. In the NHL, Vancouver is out shooting Montreal 26-11. 
but the Canadians are up 1-0 in the second period. Red Wings lead the Flyers 2-0 after one. Penguins and Ducks a little bit later on. Still ahead, Eskimos president and CEO Len Rhodes and Rangers radio analyst Dave Maloney when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.